Okay, can I tell you what song I want for my intro? You don't get to choose the song. The podcast has an intro and outro. Voila. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Millennial Mirrors, a discussion on millennial life in the Middle East. Our episode today is titled, This Isn't How They Do It at Google. The title says it all in today's episode. We're going to discuss the expectations we have of how our jobs and our careers would be versus what they truly are. How they sometimes don't fit our needs and make us feel like we've had enough, but sometimes it might also be about our perspective for our careers and the jobs that we are choosing. I felt this topic was important because we do see a lot in the news about companies like Google and Twitter, uh, etc., and how they are structured and, and how their offices look and how they treat their employees. Um, and there is definitely a stark difference between those companies and uh, most companies in the region. But I would also say there is a stark difference between those companies and most companies in the world. Yes. Uh, so I don't think they're kind of the measuring stick people should be using. Uh, and unfortunately, the amount of people I know who just are now jumping from job to job uh, because they just can't deal um, or stay home unemployed is growing more and more. Uh, and as the gap between our expectations and our careers uh, versus what we might what actually be there for us is growing. So anyway, I feel like I'm rambling. So we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, I'd like to introduce our guest for today, uh, Umar Busaidi. Yes, sir. How are you? Thank Great. You very much. Thank you. Umar is an Emirati entrepreneur and the author of Just Read It. Um, and he's also uh, hosts a show alongside one of our guests from a previous episode, Sara Madani, yes. on Pulse95 Radio. The morning majlis, every day from 7 to 10. Welcome to the episode. Mine of the weekends. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mchari. Honored to be here, sir. Thank you. So, Amal, you're an entrepreneur who's worked in many organizations uh, previously, um, and now you lecture in universities, so you have a lot of interaction with young people as well uh, who are about to enter the job market. So I think that kind of gives you a nice balanced perspective from, uh, from both sides of the issue. Uh, let's start with what you try to teach people through your lectures at universities. To find their purpose. Okay. That I always start my speech every single time with a quote by Mark Twain, this American author, philosopher. He said, there are two important days in your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why. There's a lot of people who just go by the days not knowing like why they're actually here. Mm-hmm. And why are you doing this? I tell them, do you know why you exist? Why do you have these blessings that other people in other parts of the world don't have? Why do you have access to education and others don't? Why do you have food, etc.? All of these things. I ask people, do you, are, you need to be inquisitive. You need to ask yourself these questions. You need to go deep and, and think. Just stop and pause and think about it. Once you identify your why, mm-hmm. that's when I believe you find your true happiness. And the way you can find your purpose is you need to have multiple curiosities. Mm-hmm. The more you have multiple curiosities, you try to endeavor in these things and then they will uh, – where where you kind of like take action within those multiple curiosities and then you feel whether that action has positive um, uh, consequences mm-hmm. for not only yourself but the masses, that's when you can feel like, okay, this is my purpose. This is what makes me happy and this is what I feel I'm contributing to humanity because you don't live on an island. No man's, no man's island, you know, so yeah. no man's an island. For, the more you have this sort of like insight to why you're here, this is this is the kind of like teaching that I try to uh, 
send in, in schools and universities. And do you think people's why or people's purpose is kind of static and it's just one thing or do you think it changes throughout time? Look, the, there, there can be, for, for example, if you ask me now, mm-hmm. okay, Mshad, and say, okay, so what's your purpose? For me, my answer is I'm an educator. Okay. Now, how do I do it? I, as you mentioned in the introduction, I'm an author. I published a book. Mm-hmm. I speak at different conferences, schools. I lecture, as you said, universities and schools. I have a show on the radio. It's called Morning Majlis. I, uh, uh, I, I, and I speak also at conferences and, and organizations uh, and, and do, you know, lectures there so the mode changes mm-hmm. and has changed the, the mode of the delivery of my purpose however my major purpose is always stuck like up there okay it's always been to educate people i've been doing it since i was a kid my, my when i was a kid kids used to call me like grandpa they're like why are you always like giving us lectures I mean, we just want to go out have fun go like to concerts and stuff or go clubbing and why like why are you messing up the vibe <laughs> i was always like the vibe killer uh, okay so you were the uh, debbie downer of the <laughs> the party pooper it, yeah, is that yeah you remind me of one of those guys now you're you're i'm you're sorry i didn't me, mean to bully you're, you you're, taking, you're, you're bullying me this is was this is this a bullying show it might be i don't know let's see how the episode goes <laughs> Um, so do you think that your career has to be linked to your purpose or your why? The thing is, when, you, when, when, when people live their purpose, you're happy. Yeah. Now, you don't want to be at a job or trying to go into a career that you're miserable in. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it's not fulfilling your purpose. That's the thing. So that's why. So what, why is it important about identifying your purpose? Because it's fulfilling. It's self-fulfilling. You feel like, wow, you go back home and you feel like, oh, you know what? Today I've achieved this, 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 this. Okay. Or, you know, you're, you go around and you rave to people and tell them, you know what? I feel like this is why I'm here and I, I'm, I'm happy. I, do, I, I, I want to wake up every morning. It's when you're fulfilling your purpose. Right. But when you're in a job that's not really aligned with your purpose, then you're like, yeah, I'm, I, I do this, but... That's not really what I want to do. That's not really me. So that's what I'm trying to so address. How do you think the concept of career and work has changed for our generation versus the generation that came before us? Big time. Yeah. Because our parents, uh, you know, we loved them and, and they were great. But, you know, the, what, what happened is they came from a, a time of their life, at least this part of the world, where there was almost nothing. There was like nothing, it was sand and everything else. And then uh, opportunities were very like scarce. They, mm. they didn't have a lot of opportunity. Not everybody had a chance to go to school. Not everybody had. So so w- the, the the jobs that seemed to be very appealing at the time were, were you know, the doctors, engineers, et cetera, mm. et cetera. And then, so this is what was embedded in them. And right. in anybody who had that, it was a social status, you know, like, oh, you know, you get married or your husband is a, or your wife is an engineer or a doctor or this, you know, it's a kind of yeah. a big deal. So it's a status symbol almost, you know, plus, of course, the money came with it. However, we've noticed over the past 10 years with the rapid advancement in technology and the development of artificial intelligence and robotics and everything else to do with the fourth industrial revolution, mm-hmm. this period has grown so much faster than any other time in the history of humanity in in our time, the millennials. Okay. That's why we have the millennial mirrors. <laughs> I had to throw it in. But 
So, so, so. <laughs> I know. I'm, Your branding I, is really you. on point. I, I, I'm just, you know, I had to. I had to. Uh, if you ever need branding um, services, I'm here. Anyways, but the point is, yeah. I, I, um, what, what, I, what, what, so. I love when my parents told me, yes, my mom wanted me to go and study like business or this or whatever. Mm-hmm. However, today, my younger sister, who's 18 years old, I tell him like, oh, go ahead, study data analytics, study like cybersecurity, study these things that are like more pressing. So because there are going to be so many more jobs mm-hmm. that are going to be completely obsolete the next couple of years. Right. And there are going to be new jobs that we still have not identified. Right. So that's what we should be working towards. So you were just speaking about your, your younger brother. What do you think? Sister is a, and brother. I have oh. both a younger brother and sister, but my younger sister is leaving school now. So your younger siblings. Yes. <laughs> um, what do you think is the biggest misconception that the younger generation, especially the ones coming out of university now, um, have about work before entering the workplace? Um, I think what, what they think is uh, because, you see, the classrooms mm-hmm. somewhat sort of evolved. Right. In, okay. So the, now they've got digital screens and even the setting in, in the classrooms now, they're not different. It's not, not all schools still have the rows and columns. Yeah. So it's not, it doesn't look like an assembly line. Right. So because schools have sort of, uh, and are doing it very quickly now, slowly, you can see with some schools, uh, with adopting um, progressive education mm-hmm. and even the, the format and the layout of classrooms, organizations here, till today, are still not like the Googles and the Twitter that you mentioned earlier in the introduction. Right. So there's sort of a um, misalignment between the education sector and the workplace. And, and I don't think they're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Like in the West, you see that a lot. You see a lot of interaction between like a university like Stanford and yeah. Google. And you see like Berkeley and Facebook or whoever, like right. all the time, there's always this, this mesh between them. And even the government sometimes gets involved. Yeah. But here, you don't really see a lot of that. Our educational institutions, like especially schools, universities are um, behind. They, they don't play a big part in um, not only community service, but even in the, in, 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 in the workplace. So the, the, yeah. the, it's, there's a huge detachment. That's why, unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to study in our region. They want to leave. They want to go and study overseas because they're like, okay, there's a, there's a mismatch here between what's going to come later with the reality of the world and what we have right now. Because you go to a lot of the universities and colleges in, the, in, in this part of the world, mm-hmm. they're literally like going to high school. It's like back yeah. in high school. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there isn't that university life experience. Yeah, that's true. So this is the problem that we have here. And, and this may be the problem that students are going to face when they graduate from high school, going to university or trying to get a job as well later because they're like, oh, there's a huge misalignment here. Yeah. No, I, c- I can see what you're talking about because you're right. In the, in, in the West, there's a big connection between mm. – I mean, I remember even when in my senior year of university, a lot of companies came. We met with them. We saw what their expectations were. And also at the same time, we weren't allowed to graduate before taking a bunch of courses yep. that were zero credit yep. but just to prepare us for – Going into the kind of the workplace, we need to have yeah. more job shadowing. I always talk about that. We need we need to have more sh- job shadowing opportunities. We need to have more internship opportunities for like for everyone. Like more summer training programs. It's not done properly. A lot needs to be done. There's a lot of opportunity. So, 
You said the word mismatch, and you've worked in a lot of different organizations, both government and private. Yeah. So what do you think is – Couldn't the l- keep a job. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> what do you think is the largest mismatch between the way organizations in the region are structured and the way millennials are hardwired? There's two things that I like to talk about a lot when it comes to this, with particularly in HR okay. and, and organization structures. There's job fit and there's personality fit. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately here – we look at a resume, and if it says, this is my name, uh, age, whatever, ex- uh, what, what major I went and studied, even if it doesn't have, like, work experience, okay, what? This, and then if it says you studied marketing, they put you in the marketing department. Yeah. And even if you say, oh, I want to actually do um, procurement, they'll be like, why do you want to do this when you actually studied marketing? So they want – so just because you in, – in that box – which is written there, which is which is marked on your on your resume. They want to put you back in the box, literally, because if you think about it, if you study whatever you studied, mm-hmm. there's like a tick, so this yeah. is, it's in a box, and then you're going into a box. We're humans. We're fluid. We're, yeah. we're, there's more to us than whatever. So for me, unfortunately, so many places that I worked at, um, except for like one or two, didn't see. They didn't look at my personality and say, okay, you know what. This is Omar Busaidi, and this is what I want to do with this guy. Yeah. This is what I see his potentials. Or let me just sit down with him and say, okay, Fah, what would you want to do? You yeah. know, what yeah, yeah. what do you see in this organization, and what where can you add value? Where do you think you can add value? There isn't that conversation. Yeah. They just it's always just like it's very like it's as if like you're, you're robots. That's why in my second book, which is called What Is Your UFP, or it's Unique Future Power, I'm saying that jobs are for robots and life is for people. Hmm. No, that's that's very interesting, and and I can completely relate to that because I think HR functions, especially in the Middle East, work on boxes. Absolutely. So so there's a lot of things, and then when you're then then there's so many other things. I mean, I love this country, and I love like in this region, we 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 keep talking about the fact that we're a mesh and a blend of people from all over the world. But I I don't like the fact that even myself as an Emirati. I keep getting, oh, they, you know, they, when they look at my CV and they don't see that I stayed in an organization for more than two years, like, oh, okay, um, is it because you're Emirati and then you saw a better job opportunity with more money and more benefits that you moved to this? Or, you know what I mean? Okay. Or, you know, you always yeah. get put to the, or sometimes I don't even get a job when I wanted to work in a private sector, multinational company, because they, they, they assume, and mm. assumption is the mother of all screw-ups. I mentioned that in my book. Just read it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and they, they, they assume yeah. that I wouldn't want to do this job, which maybe requires me to be there to like five or six. First of all, working eight hours is obsolete. Six hours is gone. Mm. Four hours, whatever. People today are sent to work remotely. Yeah. That's what it's all. That's what it's, and it's not me saying it because Omar Busaidi, Jack Ma, these people, these billionaires who yeah. built empires, not companies, empires, they're the ones who are saying it. It, 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 the, the concept of offices and whatever, it, this is done, done. We don't need this anymore. Right. You know, if, uh, it's, you know, uh, however, at the same time, right now, I'm, I'm really, really happy. Like, my, like you mentioned, Sara Al-Madani and myself, we have been able to do what, we're do, what we love, which mm. is, you know, communicate to the world. We're on the radio show. I, I was... I'm, I'm glad that I had the chance to call the show Morning Majlis. We were doing a branding exercise and in two seconds, I was like, yeah, let's call it. I love Majlis and it's mm. called Morning Majlis because they were morning drive, yeah, morning yeah. this, morning tea, morning that. I was like, guys, Majlis, Morning Majlis. So we, we name the show, we bring the people that we want and then we're done. 10 o'clock, I'm done. I go and do whatever I have to do. Other 
projects on the side and, and I'm and, and I'm fluid and I'm flexible this way. Right. The, the more fluid I am, the more I'm actually adding value to the radio station and everybody else. Okay. No, that's very true. So then let's take you back. I want you to go back to a younger Amar, freshly graduated, okay? I was And lost. about to enter the uh, job market. I am yet to find the light. What career advice would you give him? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, why are you asking me such a question? Because I think it's relevant. <laughs> Because I would, okay, one time I was asked a question, okay? Okay. And they told me, if you weren't a writer. So they asked me and they asked this girl, Emirati girl, who's uh, one of the very young authors in the UAE. And she's like 18 years old and she published a book. So it was me and her in an interview. This was last year. Hmm. And they asked the girl, they're like, no, they, they asked me, they said, uh, if you weren't a writer, what would you be? I said, I would be a DJ. Because I like, I love house music and I'd easily become a DJ. I wouldn't mind. I mean, I always imagine like, you know, people like Tiesto, Avicii. I could see that. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, yeah, I can imagine myself in a concert, people raving. And then they asked her and said, if you're not a writer, what would you be? She said, I'd be a politician. <laughs> okay. So there's a little bit of a difference between your answers, but there's nothing wrong with either one. <laughs> no, there is actually something very wrong because I... I looked at her and I was like, did she do that on purpose? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Because that, was, that interview went viral. It's like all over the internet. So like they're seeing this grown-up guy who's like 30 and then they ask a girl who's 18 and then, you know, she doesn't have aspirations to become a DJ and like, you know, whatever. Okay, so wait, let's talk about that. What's wrong with, with wanting to be a DJ? When an 18-year-old girl says she wants to be a politician and you're next to her. Yeah, but you started this... This this podcast episode talking about finding your why and what you want to do and what fulfills you. I know. So then, let what's wrong with being a DJ? I don't think there's maybe it's because the look she, she gave me. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's how she made you feel more about the DJ. Situation. Yeah, she shouldn't have looked at me like that. You should have done that to me. I'm traumatized now. I never want to hold like a turntable again. Anyways, but the point. <laughs> okay, okay, I don't care. But look, the All point right. is. Um, Yeah, no, I would, I would literally, if I had a chance mm. and, and, uh, I would have, I would have broken the stereotype that I had about like, let's say DJs or that kind of life. And I would just then on the side and there's so many successful people and I would be really happy because I want to draw a smile on people's faces. And that okay. is one of the ways music makes people like dance and it makes it happy, it turns the world around, you know? So I would have probably done that. I would have gone for that for sure. Okay. So. So I would, I would have just said, you know what, F follow your, your heart like, and follow your gut feeling. I've always known I wasn't meant to be in like one, like one place. Mm. And, you know, uh, we always talk about the organization that we want to join. Like whatever. You know, I tell people, why don't you look at yourself as an organization? If you look at yourself now, if you do mshari mm lanezi -hmm. at yahoo.com versus mshari at mshari lanezi .com. Which is my email. <laughs> yeah, you see, there you go. You see, msharialanazi.com yeah. sounds stronger than, you know, sending someone, oh, msharialanazi uh, at yahoo.com. Yeah. So you know what I mean? So if you look at yourself, you just switch your, just that small part in your organization, it would just change everything. You start to put more value to yourself and you start to con you look at yourself very differently. So, This is what I would, and, and then when you see yourself as an organization, so mm -hmm. the advice is, you'd see how can other entities 
benefit from you rather than you going to try to benefit from those organizations. So you, you look at your self-worth. Okay. That self-worth is like it's uh, above and beyond. So how do you, I guess... Not make you arrogant. Yeah. Just, you know, you're still grounded yet confident. Just saying. Okay. And I think... I think I, I understand what you're saying, and I think it's uh, it's easier for some people than for others. So how would people go about finding, I guess, what their unique... Uh, future power. Future. So when I talked about having multiple curiosities, I'll mm-hmm. tell you this. What I did, thankfully, when I was really young, is try and experiment different things mm-hmm. from businesses, from volunteering, from assisting people, you know, like just... Just being inquisitive, you need to be inquisitive. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're never going to find your purpose. It's very simple. Okay. You, you need to go try this, try that. So I, I volunteered in a charity or in an orphanage. I volunteered um, with a recycling company and did one for um, entrepreneurship, one for uh, to do with smoking, raising smoking uh, awareness campaign. I, I did several different. I was always like involved in different things. I was I was involved in the Khaliji club. I was doing. I was the vice president of the salsa club at AUD. Right. You know, I was doing whatever. I was a horrible dancer, but like I just wanted to join it because it looked really hot. So why not? <laughs> right. So, yeah. So I tried different things. And then um, and, and what happens, and even when you, tr- when you try something, when you immerse yourself in something, you start to get a lot of more knowledge in that. Like now, right. now I'm in radio. I've never done radio before. Because I'm in radio, I'm learning about how to have a deeper voice and how to do this, how to do intros to a topic or how to do whatever, how right. to... You know, it's different from having an everyday conversation. It's different from speaking on stage, which I'm used to and familiar Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. So this having when you do all these different experiences, then you're like, okay, I've tried all these things. Where do I see myself? Where do I see that I fit more? And then that's how you can find your unique future power. So I think what I'm hearing from you is that and, and I was like that. And I think a lot of us are like that when you first kind of graduate you think this is what I'm going to do, and you you kind of go in with laser focus mm. uh, on something, and then it doesn't always work out, and you kind of become disenfranchised. Whereas yeah. what I'm hearing from you is be more curious, try a lot of different things. Don't kind of hold on to one thing so tightly so, until you kind of feel your way around. Absolutely, and you know, think about it like this: when you join, especially American universities. Mm. They give you the option, which I love about American universities, of being undecided, yeah. your major, which is great yeah. because if you're, you, you study most likely for four years, mm-hmm. your first two years, it's all general electives. So yeah. they give you a course on philosophy, psychology, history, language, whatever. Then the last two years is your specialization, right. which is great. Because at least the first two years, when you're taking all these things, I know so many people who, for example, want to do engineering, they shifted to business or arts or mm-hmm. communications after the first two years. They're like, no, actually, you know what? I, I, I find myself more in this. This is, this is it. So you get that experience in university. but And then also what I like as well in private universities is you have options of professors. Right. Some colleges and some government, they don't have that option. You're stuck with this one professor, one time, one major, and that's it. You can't do anything about it. So, But on that point, when you do go into the workplace and you do end up in a job, you have a boss. True. And you don't really get to choose who your boss is. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because they're like, oh, my, you know, 
either my boss told me to do something which、mm. I don't agree with, et cetera, et cetera. And so I don't want to be here anymore. And I think there's a big kind of disconnect between, again, what this generation thinks work is. Yeah. And, and they see a lot of people. Doing、mm-hmm. what, for example, you're doing,、True. and what other people, you know, and, and others around the world who have kind of taken a bit more charge. And they're like, I don't want to be in a corporation. But it's, and,、yeah. but that's not for everyone, A. And B, I think work is work. You get paid to show up there.、Mm-hmm. And so you kind of also have to manage your own expectations、yeah. about, and your own perspective about what work <clears throat> looks like. Yeah. And, and I think、uh, one of the things you notice, maybe a lot of people, Parents do not talk to their children really about work、mm. and, and what happened. They feel maybe that the kids will not understand. They don't talk about that horrible boss from hell.、Mm. Uh, actually, there's a book called How to Deal with the, with the Horrible Boss from Hell. I have it at home. Okay. I, I got it for personal reasons. But, anyways, <laughs>、uh, when I was in the UK,、uh, actually from a Sunday market. Okay.、Yeah. Okay. Anyways, the point that I'm getting off track now. Okay. That's fine. No worries. Now, the point is.、Uh, That's one exercise that needs、mm-hmm. to happen.、Uh, job shadowing, as I mentioned earlier.、Mm. If you have that opportunity, then you would be able to realize that in life, there are going to be some people that you wish were never born. Right. So, exactly. So, you know, so all these things、um, have to be in place to allow that millennial when they get to work.、Mm. So, those guys, what, what happens is when they, when they, When they go to a workplace, they will already understand it.、Mm-hmm. Okay. And they'll have the expectations managed,、mm-hmm. not high and not low, managed. And look, they're going to be some good people and they're going to be some really annoying people. And, and, and in life, you just have to know how to deal with them. So all these things, like these kind of like discussions, h a s to happen in schools. Tell people, listen, you're going to get some really annoying boss. And actually, if you're an annoying boss out there, Go out and do talks and tell them that you are an annoying boss. Like, don't hide it. So people will know. And you tell people, how would you want to be like, treated? Do you want someone to worship you at work? Do you want them to make you coffee? Like, what would make you happy? Yeah, no, I agree. I always say, manage up. Yeah. <laughs> learn to manage up because、yeah. managing down is easy.、Uh, so people need to learn how to manage their bosses. I think that's a huge part、yeah. of.、Uh, Of, yeah. And learning what your boss needs from you、yeah. in order for them to, you know, kind of not be. And if you notice, a lot of the times only the, the cool bosses go out and do all these like talks. The annoying ones don't. Do they want to keep that as a secret and so, like, give you the element well, of surprise? Well, the annoying ones usually don't know they're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, 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 no. I, I know they do. Really?、You、yeah. Think so? They secretly laugh in it, like, like, you know, whatever. They're just in their offices. They're like maleficent min- in a like, <laughs> castle, a dark castle somewhere. Oh, okay. And so you gave advice to, to the bosses.、Uh, what about for the employees who are currently at work and feeling disillusioned either with the work they're doing or with the company they're in and the, I guess, their work colleagues or bosses? What advice do you have for them? Leave your job. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's what your advice is? Yes, absolutely.、Okay. Listen, everybody will give you a different answer.、Mm. And everybody else can say this and they'll tell you and they'll try to give you a science to it and whatever. You know what? Listen, as Steve Martin once said, be so good they can't ignore you. When I, when I leave any、mm. organization, I've got offers left, right, and center because I don't give a damn. So I know what I can bring to the table.、Mm-hmm. And I'm not, again, 
I'm not trying to tell people to try to brag about themselves or be arrogant or any in any form. Mm. I'm just saying be good, be humble, whatever, you know, do your best, give 1000%, whatever they require. And, and, um, but you reach a point that you know whether the, those people or that organization actually deserves you or not. Because mm. if they drain your energy, they drain your creativity. They drain your creativity, they drain what they call productivity, which I don't think humans should be productive. We are humans. We're not machines. Mm. Machines, it, productivity is for machines. Creativity okay. is for humans. We cannot be productive. Yeah. One day we're hormonal. One yeah. day we're sleepy. One day we just don't feel like in the mood. One day we didn't have coffee. One day we didn't have a smoke, whatever. And these things affect our mood. So right. not every single day can we become completely consistent. If we're that perfect, we wouldn't have problems in the world like we have today. Right. So... I don't like to say productivity in a workplace. It's crap. So yeah, so this is my advice. Okay, so leave. And then bef- what would be your advice for them to make sure that they don't end up in the same situation in their next job? What do you think they should kind of take a look at or think about before taking their next step after they leave? They should be setting the terms. Mm-hmm. They should be very clear. A lot of the times when you go to organize it, when you go to an interview, you always feel like we go with a desperate sort of uh, vibe or energy that we carry with us because we're like, oh my God, I really want to get this job or I want to be able to get hired here or whatever. You don't. Again, Mm. if you look at yourself as the organization, even if you got an interview at Google, Mm. you look at yourself because the moment you go in, you take a notebook with you. Right. Just as they have a notebook and a pen taking notes about what you're saying, you take a note about what they're saying. You ask them questions. You put you if you put yourself with anyone in an in a negotiation on mm. a same level playing field, you're gonna get the deal. It's all about closing a deal. Okay. That's it. But, but the a lot of the times a lot of us go and uh a little tell you a little secret, everybody. But the HR department, they're the ones that always have the upper hand. They have the bargaining power and they're the ones that set the terms for you and everything. And you read the terms. How many times you see they say like, okay, you set your terms. They never do that. Unless if you're a senior executive and then they have the golden shake, the golden handshake, sorry. Right. You know, which um, for some of you who don't know what a golden handshake is, these guys can say, okay, you know what? I don't want a salary. I want to get like shares in the company i want to get like whatever uh, uh paid for the next 10 years if you fire me or whatever all these different things so that golden handshake when i found out about it when i was a kid i was like you must be kidding me how come every one of us don't have a golden handshake who's the one that does all the work at the, in the organization the ceo are usually sitting all the way up and they tell you about their vision and strategy right. bs we're the ones doing all the work <laughs> so if we're doing all the damn work then we should be able to have a golden handshake like this golden microphone i have in front of me Okay, so it's golden. I'd like to point out that if we cause mm. any riots accidentally <laughs> because of I'm out of speech just now, I don't care, guys. Just, like leave their jobs in like masses. It was not my fault. I Let them have cake. <laughs> Remember that? What was it? King Louis the sixth? No, what? that was uh, Antoinette. Let them eat cake, Marie Antoinette, before they chopped off her head. Really? Yeah. What, what about King Louis, Louis the something, the French king? I don't know what he said. Uh, I'm not sure what his slogan was, <laughs> but his branding was not as Okay, fine. That means all this time I've been saying the wrong king. Okay. Or unless I'm wrong. I don't know. Who knows? 
I actually just have a couple more questions for you. One of them is based on my uh, interview with Sara Al-Madani. Yeah. So she talked about... Did she say anything about me? She said what an amazing human being you are. And no, did she, she say it in the recording? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. She doesn't say anything about me, by the way. By the way, you complain about everyone I met that knows you and how they don't say they, No, no one says... No, I don't know why nobody like, nobody like says anything nice about me. So anyway, back to the question. Okay, it's kosher. So, so oh, halal, the uh, the question is uh, from your Pulse ninety five radio co host. Is she a co host? Yeah, she's a co host, right? Uh, Sara Medini, who was on this podcast, she talked about carrying your culture and your traditions like a backpack, and keeping the parts that you love and that you care about, and then the parts that don't work for you, kind of leaving them by the wayside, uh, or you know, taking them out of the backpack. So. My question to you would be, what is the part of the culture you grew up in that you carry with you always? Being a global citizen. And what that's, does that mean? means live and let live, respect everyone regardless of their creed, color, race, religion, whatever, thoughts, just accept people the way they are. That's how I was brought up and that's the culture at home that I grew up in. I mean, and uh, that's what I love about my family. Okay, that's that's really nice. And then I guess the the last question I have for you is: What is the quality you most value in the people you keep around you? Hmm, that's a, the most. Huh? The quality that I value the most amongst the people around me. There's so many that I have to choose one. Give me a top three if you like. <laughs> okay. Respect, mm-hmm. honesty, and uh, like always having a back support. Okay. So these three things are, you have these three in any one in your life, you go a long way. I like that. That's a good answer. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, God, this is a tough one. This is like the killer. This is the do or die, like, you know. Well, because I think like a lot of people have different misconceptions about what people expect from them. So I think it's always nice to ask people, what do you actually value in others? Yeah. Because it kind of... Can I ask you something? Sure. Are we going to have like music in the background for this? Uh, not throughout the whole thing, just the intro and the outro. <laughs> Thank you, Umar. I told you it was going to be entertaining. <laughs> Who's the most entertaining? <laughs> Say it was me. I don't care. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to be able to do this outro. <laughs> Okay, Amar. So I want to say a big shout out to Amar Shannar, Sarah Al Madani, all you people. I love you. You <laughs> do. Can I do the outro oh, now? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have to do the outro, Sorry. and then you can do your Sorry. shout out. All right. Sorry. Okay. So, um, thank you, Amar, for joining me here today on this episode. It truly felt like an educational experience and a very fun one. You have been a fun guest. Thank you, sir. Um, where should people head if they want to find out more about you online? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Omar al Not Arabian Prince or whatever. Okay. Or Six Pack Arabia guy. <laughs> no, just Omar al I'm glad you cleared that up. I don't have a six pack. Just <laughs> FYI. Working on it. Thanks for the Beach body in progress. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? Any shout outs? Mom, I love you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I love you, mom. 
All right. So thanks to everyone for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to this. We'll be releasing a new episode every week. Um, if you want to find out about more more about why I started this podcast and where we're heading with it, then check out our first episode titled So What's This About? where my friend Ghanem interviews me and we discuss more on the topic. Um, also, please leave a comment. Let me know what you think. If you have any questions or if there are any subjects or topics that you think we should cover, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mishari Elnazi. Links are in the episode description. Bye, guys, and stay safe. Au revoir.